everybody. Welcome to episode 191 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film and more. I'm one of your hosts, Sashia Dumont. I'm another host, Paul Robinson. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Alrighty. So we were scheduled to have a guest. Um, there was a bit of a scheduling conflict and things kind of got changed at the last minute. Hence our uh, just we're just going to we're just going to go with it. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to chat about some topics that we've chosen quickly. Yeah. Well, we uh, got. We, you know, we sometimes get emails and questions and things like that. And uh, like, hey, could you talk about this? Or hey, can you, have you seen this show? Which oftentimes we planned on seeing. So we just wind up reviewing it. So that works out. Um, and we've, we've been asked if, uh, you know, uh, our experience with uh, taxes mm. um, and, uh, you know, from like newcomer kind of filmmakers that are yeah. like, what do you, like, how does this work? Um and uh, we're also going to talk about um, our upcoming project, which yeah. is like in pre-pre-production. So we're yeah. going from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but we'll tackle the taxes first because they're fun. Yeah. And it's um, that time of year. It is. And just so you know, this is not professional advice. We have no, no fucking clue what we're doing. No, this is not financial <laughs> advice. This is just our experience with taxes. This our is personal just... experience. This is not advice. We're not tax advisors. So no. don't take anything we say as fact or advice because we're dumb. We uh, we play filmmakers on television, so yeah. we don't know what we're even doing there. So yeah. uh, but that's the whole point of the show to just talk about our experience with it and then sometimes get professional people on sort of set us straight. That's what yeah. we do. Um, tax wise. So taxes are always really weird um, with filming. I think like um, the crowdfunding thing. Uh, which was one of the things that had been asked was like, how do you, ha what, like, what do you do right. with crowdfunding? Um, I mean, we didn't know the answer to that because uh, they don't send you anything. It's not like uh, Kickstarter or anything gives you any kind of paperwork for well, this. They made now, but I, maybe we, they do. But the last time we, we didn't did, get one, they, we didn't get anything. And so right away we told our accountant like, hey, we got this money that was donated. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess it's just kind of treated like a gift. Well, yes, because and somebody out there's probably like, "Oh God, no!" Yeah. <laughs> but here, this is what we were told, yeah. and this is what's been happening. Our experience with there. it was that basically the money that we receive, any money you look, any money you receive is you, you have to give Uncle Sam their. No, their, not if it's a gift. Well, here's the thing, though. What's the thing, Paul? It's 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 because you're using all of that money, even if you're using that money to do something with it right so you can write all that stuff mm -hmm. off so the so you make five thousand dollars on your kickstarter campaign whether you do or you not, or you don't have to claim it either way that five thousand dollars because you're spending it all on the film unless you're shady af um then it becomes that is a tax deduction because you're using all of those funds so um well it to, usually ends up being a wash to be fair um We've we've talked about how we don't actually make money off of our films, so someone might be like, "Well, how the hell are you still able to claim stuff as a loss all this time?" Wouldn't the IRS be like, "All right, this is officially a hobby," which is what will happen if you're not um, actually making money. But <clears throat> since our company is a production company and deals with all facets of like video and graphic and production, it's all in that. Even when a side job comes through for graphics or film or editing or something, that is money made. Our actual films don't make us money. We don't, right. our short films or skits or whatever we put up there, we don't get money for that. We've never gotten, I mean, even any uh, awards we've gotten have never been cash awards. It's always, no. you know, so. Usually uh, screenplay <laughs> awards for you. Uh, uh, you've actually won awards as well. And, yeah. and we have together. So shut your face. Uh, but. Yeah, we we don't actually make money, so there's nothing to claim there, but we do make money as a company, and so that all kind of rolls into that. But if you're not making money off of your films, you're just you're starting out or whatever, not starting out. We we have certainly are not starting yeah. out. We don't make money. Um, but if you're, you know, making films purely for the art of it, uh, you really can't or shouldn't be writing things off if you're not going to have gain from that and eventually the irs is going to stop you whether you like it or not because they're going to say hey it's been three years yeah. uh it's been four years it's been five years and whatever their threshold is you've yeah. got six thousand dollars worth of deductions and absolutely no income from it so yeah. this is officially a hobby yeah 
I mean, it's tough, right? You'd have to, you'd have to, every state's different, every country's different for that matter. Um, so you'd have to check with that. But generally, I think a general rule of thumb is the government doesn't like to just keep giving you money at, really? for, for your write-offs <laughs> for, for whatever you're Where'd doing. Where'd you come up with that one? Unless you're, you know, Amazon or something, then they'll just give you all the money you want. But, Burn. Um, well, fuck them. But like, yeah, so you want to be careful with that. We, we, we do that. We make sure that if we have a year that was that we have a, either a lot of expenses or not a lot of income that came in for the company, um, then we make sure that we don't, you know, that well, we balance it out so that way we're not always. You can just, get really nitpicky with stuff, yeah. like right when it comes to like write-offs, mm -hmm. um, and a lot of accountants like right, they, you know, the goal is to get you as much money as they can, so you can be like, hey, this person got me back all this money, and so they'll literally go down to like, okay, where was what? Where'd you do this day? Oh, we took a trip to the city uh, to do an audition. All right, so you had to pay tolls, right? Where were the tolls? Like it, get, it goes. Yes, where yeah, like, tear in your car? Yeah, and... uh, where did you park the car? Get the receipt for that, you know? Yeah. And we have done that. Um, when, when we've had years that it's like, okay, you know, you had a bunch of side work and made good money so we can do these write-offs, but years where there's not a lot of side work, I try not to get too nitpicky with stuff like that because I'm like, all right, now it looks like we made $400 and we're writing off 3000 and that's yeah. just, I feel like, and it sucks because you're like, I did spend this money, but yeah. I, you know, we just don't want any flags and that's not to say off. that that can't happen. A company is allowed to, be, sure. to take a loss. I'm just paranoid. Yeah. But uh, you want to make sure you, you check with the tax advisor to see, like, what is the, the threshold in your area to kind of see, like, well, if you're going for four years. I don't think there's any kind of hard and fast rule. Like, you have to make a profit of X amount of money within a certain amount of time. No, you do have a certain amount of time, but it, I don't know. Like, you have to be making a profit. And it yeah. can't be, like, making a $100 profit a year. Like, yeah. it has to be it's something that's a bit more substantial to be considered. Yeah income or you know whatever yeah i mean we're we're in a fortunate position that you know we have day jobs so we have um quote unquote regular income coming in so it's you know we don't rely on that money so um approaching it from that perspective can be a little different in terms of how you do your taxes because so much of that is going to be geared towards you know uh paying your your mortgage or rent or whatever um and so you may approach taxes differently because you need to maximize what you're what you're getting and so that may be a little different you know yeah um, i think the next if you're like fully freelance you know whatever the next step for us would really be considering the llc which we've been considering but it's just so tricky because your money gets tied up in these really weird, weird ways you almost like you're basically having to pay yourself in a way and mm -hmm. i don't know I mean, I'm sure like if there was ever an accident on well, set with someone we didn't know well and they decided to sue us and they took our house, we'd be like, hey, we should have done that L LLC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shit. Well, you know, again, this is not financial advice and we don't know what we're talking about, but my understanding <laughs> is that, you know, the big thing with the LLC is it really separates your business and your personal, right? Yeah. Right now we, we have a DBA partnership and so we can just kind of throw money back and forth from the business account and like spend out of our personal account and still deduct that, which you can do with an LLC as well. But they really, with an LLC, they really like to see that separation. And mm -hmm. so what you're referring to is paying yourself is, you know, if we made money in the company, say we, I did a job, we made $1,000, but I wanted to use that $1,000 to pay for our insane propane bill. Mm -hmm. Then I'd have to pay myself out of the business account. Mm -hmm. And then that is that becomes another taxable event. And so it's it's it, it acts, it's different. If you're getting taxed on the money you're getting paid, then you're taxing, there's a tax event when you pay yourself. Um, from the company perspective, you're paying somebody, but then from a personal perspective, you're receiving that right. money. So um, it there's just an, another layer of complexity, but it does offer that protection, right? If so, if we were on set now and a light fell on and, and burned a house down, uh, they couldn't necessarily come after us personally. They'd come after the company, and then we would just dissolve the company and start out under a new name. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how that works. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, it does offer that. Thank you for extra... joining us on today's show of How to Be a Film Crook 101. Yeah. But it does offer that extra level of protection. And there are, there are certainly, from what my understanding, there are certainly tax advantages. Um, I don't know if it ta if you have to be making a certain amount for those advantages to kick in. We'll let you know once we kind of, 
you know, do that, you know, once we um, kind of make that switch, which is inevitable for us. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. So that's kind of how our taxes go. They're kind of all over the place and we don't really, our profit is more through production related uh, events rather than our actual films. Also, because we don't, you know, we haven't made like an actual film in two years since COVID. Um, uh, one more thing that we wanted to touch on is also uh, to be careful with thinking that, oh, I can buy this and write it off and then sell it. There's a whole other, there's a, yeah. a little a little tricky bit there, right? It's, it's, it's one or the other if you're making a profit. So if something is worth less now that you're selling it, uh, but you still got a tax break. Mm -hmm. So if you buy... Uh, a piece of equipment for five thousand dollars, and you you claim that uh, you know as a loss or whatever you know what, as um, an expense, yeah, as an expense rather. Sorry, and uh, and then you you go and you sell that piece of equipment very soon after actually buying it, and either sell it for what it is or somehow make a profit. But like you were, there was a point during COVID where video cards were like yeah. it was like gold. Well, I don't, yeah, they still are. They kind of still are, but uh, it, I I felt like I was living with a gambler like you would be on your phone like they're on sale go 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 yeah. and um so you were able to buy like a video card and sell it for like twice or three times what you know well, i i so what happened was i upgraded my video cards i was lucky enough to to get some of the newer ones which is why i was like go 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 but then my older ones which were still very valuable because the market was crazy so the idea the the the, the uh the, the thought process or the idea is that I bought these video cards for, let's say, $500. I'm just throwing them out. I don't remember what I paid for them. Let's say that's $500 for these video cards. But then when I went and turned around and sell them, the market was so crazy that I actually sold them for the same, maybe even more. So then that becomes a really sticky area with taxes, like you're saying. Um, whereas if I wrote off $500 for a video card and then I turned around and sold that, um, now I'm claiming this income based off of something that I've written off mm -hmm. as an expense for more than that was or close to or the depreciation of it wasn't what is considered like standard depreciation. Um, so that can get really tricky in the way with... But with, they were selling for far more than you yeah, were buying them for. Could, so there was a definite the market, profit. There's a, there's, it probably still is a market for buying video cards and then just turning around and selling them at a, at a profit. So you may want to check... Um, on that because it can be a really kind of tricky area to to kind of navigate with that stuff so well what what uh, also why i said equipment is because you know you may justify like i'm going to buy this and then sell it and get a new one immediately especially for us we hang on to equipment for a long time because we can't afford to upgrade our equipment every year or two years but mm -hmm. you know people that have bigger budgets they don't use the same camera for three or four or five years you know they there's constantly something new coming out, constantly, mm -hmm. and um, well, I feel like down during COVID. But well, yeah. during COVID, but that nothing counts as being, uh, you know, regular or common during COVID. Obviously, yeah. there's going to be adjustments that 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 go on there, but um, there's just the, it's a constant upgrade, and that's just how technology is. But whether it's cameras or phones or what, you know, they, they come up with an upgraded version, and it's always some kind of minuscule thing that it's like, is this enough for me to really justify buying this? Like, let's say, you know, you, you buy a camera for, for $6,000 and then uh, uh, there's another camera that comes out that you're like, damn, I should have bought that camera. And then you sell the camera that you just bought, you know, for almost what you paid for it because you, you know, I mean, you can try to get what you paid for it, but usually with electronics, you got to go okay, lower because yeah. it depreciates. It's like a car. Like once it leaves the well, lot, it's just depreciation. And it's just, just the, no one's going to pay full price for something from you. Right, when but they that has never yeah. stopped people. Yeah, what I'm course. saying is like, I, I see it on eBay where people are like, you know, uh, brand new. Like, well, okay, well, listen, <laughs> yeah. you can say that uh, technically a camera that you've opened but not used is brand new, but it's like peeling the sticker off something. I'm not paying full price for something that someone else touched already. Yeah. Like grubby, nasty. I hands. want it to be new. You already broke the seal on something. Whether yeah. you actually put hours on the camera or not is irrelevant if you're charging the same price. And I've never understood that. First of all, I don't understand people buying six thousand dollars worth of anything on eBay. Y'all are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just there's no way in hell. And it's it sounds really uh, um, hypocritical because. We sell stuff on eBay, but, yeah, but like we much. know that we take care of our stuff. So it's like, it's weird. Like I'm, I'm sure 
obviously there has to be other people out there that would sell, uh, you know, um, a, a black magic camera that was very well taken care of. But I don't know that. Yeah. And the people that would sell a black magic that wasn't taken care of, they're just going to tell you they took care of it. That's the whole game. That's the whole yeah. point of eBay was to be like, oh, yeah, it's well, like new put a and lot brand of new safety measures in place. I don't know how well they work. We haven't we've been lucky enough, knock on wood, that we haven't had to deal with any kind of issues with people receiving stuff, saying that it was broken and but they just broke it themselves and saying we did it to try to get the money and whatever. And so, um you know, we don't sell a lot on there, obviously. So it's it's I don't know the 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 games that people play on there. You know what the well? Do you remember that video that we were watching? There's this guy who record he I think he does TikToks, I think, or YouTube videos or something like that, where he cleans like computer products that are brought into him, which is like I can't believe that's still a thing that there's like yeah. a place to take your computer. Uh, unless it's like Geek Squad or something. I don't like I it's so weird to me that there's still computer stories out there or yeah. places to do this. But anyway, um there was this one clean that he was doing that was absolutely disgusting. And his assumption was that this person was actually planning to sell this equipment. So perhaps the equipment is in decent shape, but it's been through some shit is the yeah. point. And you can't prove that. You know, you just can't I don't know. It's like it's it's a principle thing that yeah maybe maybe it's gonna work fine and it's clean and shiny but when you know what that looked like prior it's like I don't want that yeah. and <laughs> look we all, we all equipment. want a, a good deal but um, anybody that's been in the game long enough knows that the value of a, a, a good warranty you know with equipment that has a huge electrical component like cameras do now and any of that stuff so for me the safety of a warranty is is um reassuring and i know that you can transfer some warranties and some stuff on ebay does come with the fa factory warranty you know if cameras can have a certain warranty and depending on the company it may not be able to be traded you know or forwarded mm -hmm. to another person <clears throat> um yeah so you have to be careful of that stuff but um yeah yeah so that's that's what we're dealing with with that um and hopefully uh, it at least sort of pushed you in the right direction of knowing what questions to ask your professional since clearly we are not. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's been, uh, we we did get sort of murdered this year. Write it all off. <laughs> with taxes because you did a bunch of NFT work. Mm -hmm. um, so we expected that, that we're gonna have to pay taxes on that. So we did get a bit murdered, but we were prepared. So it's different when you're yeah. not ready I for it. I think that's the biggest thing that, um, to keep in mind when you are just getting into it, right, is, is the tax of it all. Because I think a lot of people in crypto especially, but just in, in freelance work in general, they, they don't know maybe how much to put aside for taxes or they don't think about taxes. They just think, oh, I just made $5,000 off A bunch of people job. in the community didn't. They spent the money yeah. and now they're And so you really have to be careful suffering. because at the end of the year, you know, look, the IRS doesn't give a crap about a project you may have coming up that can pay your taxes <laughs> or something. They want their money. Um, and they, look. 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 There's a lot of people that get away with a lot of shit with taxes, and, and we're just too kind of uh, anxious to really even tempt fate in that way. We're always very uh, conservative with our taxes, and we're very careful with them in particular. Um, and so you want to just make sure that you have that mindset and that you're thinking about taxes and that you, you talk to somebody that knows what they're talking about, unlike us who can give you guidance as to how much to put aside, whether it's 35%, 37 40 20, whatever it is in your state or your area. And always shoot higher. You just never know. Yeah, always have like a little bit of a cushion. Um, uh, and then you can cry about how much you're actually making. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's you, you definitely need to keep that in mind. Yeah, do that. Mm -hmm. um, so speaking of projects, we're going into our next project. We're still in the 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 wee wee beginning stage of um getting getting that sorted um i don't technically even have the script yet uh so i'm still i'm still even in my beginning process of writing which is where i just obsessively think about a script and play it out in my head for weeks mm -hmm. and then i start writing it down um so i try to like work out the kinks before the kinks existed yeah it's just the way well, I it's, function. It's a little different now, obviously, with COVID and stuff and, and <clears throat> a, a, approaching a production, um, you know, preparing for a production, I should say, rather. Um, but with this most recent one, you were kind of writing 
with people in mind. Well, right. I mean, it's, there's only we, two people in the scene, of, right. of which I'm one of them. So, but um, to keep the 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 um, crew and cast to a minimum, I'm gonna be on, of, I'm gonna be honest with you. That cast and crew. Finally. <laughs> this cast and crew is absolutely no different than it would have been outside That's of true. COVID if I wrote the script. It would be the exact same cast and crew, honestly, because we don't have money for a crew, especially for smaller stuff. Like when we're doing something that's like like a vital sign where it's going to be several days, like filming several days back to back, you know, you have to have a bit more of a crew. And we barely did. We had a sound person and a, a first AC slash focus puller slash gaffer. Yeah. Um, but for this, uh, there was there there's the possibility that we, we we might still just like hand a boom over to someone we know and be like, Here's how you use the uh, equipment and push this button when you're ready. And if that's bl- that's a blinking, their mouth. If that's a blinking, yeah. we're good. Uh, but uh, we may also very well just reach out to um, a sound person we've worked with uh, if they're free or want or want to do it or can do it within our budget and and just do that. So that would literally be. So now the person we would have had running sound, that's now our assistant. <laughs> That person gets to be the gaffer, yeah. Uh, because odds are we're not going to really drop thousands of dollars into this. Um, not because it isn't worth it, but just because the way things have gone, you know, financially, and we're just trying to save as much money as we can. Um, and I, I went in knowing that I was going to cast Cat Lindsay, so um, and she's like our actual friend, so. <laughs> We like to work together and it's not like, you know, having to reach out to an actor and say, all right, here's the day rate. Like I know, you know, we we do favors for each other and that like I've said this before, it's okay when there's a give and take. If you're going to ask somebody to work for free, make sure you can offer them something at some point um, and not just expect people to work for free. But we also just are friends and want to work together. So it it certainly makes it easier easier financially um, to, to be like, okay, I don't have to worry about paying this person yeah. um, but do come prepared and feed them well mm-hmm. at the very least that's always been my thing even yeah. with a skeleton crew like just make sure people feel appreciated that they're work you know that, that working with you for little to no money or yeah. what have you yeah and that's the importance of community and friendship and and um the the networking and connections that you make you know we we casted cat with our for our last casted cast sorry <laughs> <laughs> we cast cat. I got ripped apart by a casting yeah. agent for saying casted, so that's why that's a that's, an, a, on, that's a a running joke with us. Yeah, um, but you know, it turns you know through the experience of shooting Vital Sign, and we're all together and everything. You know, it's it kind of that that friendship kind of grew out of that, and so um, it's just you never know how a shoot is going to end yeah. up and, and, and how you're going to build your... So um, don't be an asshole, too, yeah. you know, because you never know what you well, could I think it speaks to out on. casting people for their talent and ability, obviously, and the look of the part and all that crap, but then also casting people based on their personalities and how they're going to click with everybody else, especially on a shoot that we had. So basically, you're, you're shooting... You're shooting... You're starting already starting from a point where everybody's getting along, so there's a possibility that a relationship could foster from that, and you never know, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that could lead to you building a relationship with the DP or a sound person that you can then work together and help each other out. And so bartering is a big, huge yeah. thing. I like the bartering. Mm-hmm. It is a little bit, I would have to say, the most challenging thing with having actor friends is that you want to cast them in everything yeah. because they're your friend, you know? Yeah. So it's like, oh, I want to cast this person in everything that we do, but then you have the same cast for everything and it starts to kind of look weird on your reel yeah. and on your site. And it's like, why are these all, the, it's, it's always the same people or, you know? Uh, so I, I wanted to be careful. Like I, I wanted to make sure this was something that like she was going to get a lot out of. Yeah. Because we'll obviously work together again, but probably not in the next thing, you know, to kind of like break it up. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, I don't want this to be a waste. I want her to be able to use this on her reel. Are you playing? So on the flip side of that, there is the like, you don't want to overuse actors. Mm-hmm. And I say that being in everything, but we know why I'm in everything. And also it's my fucking company. I could do whatever I want. Get off my yeah. back. Uh, <laughs> but um, on the flip side of that, you get to... If you have a, an actor friend who's also a writer or you know a writer, whatever, um, you get to 
play parts that you've not been able to play before. So being that we've had conversations together about parts that we've wanted to play or didn't get to play or things that we struggle with, mm-hmm. right, that we want to improve on, I can do that. So I was like, okay, guess what? I'm going to write this and I'm going to write it in a challenging way for you as an actor because you don't get to, you know, usually it's like, here's the audition and your sides, you have no idea what's going on in this film or, you know, you just have that one little chunk, you got that side and Mm. you either take the job or you don't and that's it. (laughs) And when you get the full script, this is what you're doing. And And then uh, you get on set and they're like, take your clothes off. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Show us your moves. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, unless you have a very open-minded director, rarely do you get to say, here's how I would like to play the character yeah. on an indie level. You can do that shit when you're an A-lister and you can get away with things like Jake yeah. Gyllenhaal taking over the camera for Michael Bay when he films with him because yeah. God knows that guy does not know what the hell he's doing half the time in terms of, like, creative film. It's just like he bays out and does the yeah. same thing. <laughs> it's just yeah. like... Okay, so apparently uh, Jake Gyllenhaal did take over directing and like literally push him out of the seat, take over the camera and, uh, you know, well, hey, do yeah. what you got to do. It's Jake yeah. Gyllenhaal. I would take Jake Gyllenhaal's advice over Michael Bay's any day. So if, yeah. if Jake tells you this is the way we should do this, oh, maybe that's what you should do. Yeah. Just saying. I mean. um, yeah. So now it's it's writing, actually writing a character with a person in mind. And that's. It's a little, it's a, it's wobbly, right? Because you don't want to write in that person. Right. Because you want them to play a character. So I have to, it's like, that's what I battle with when I think about it. I'm like, oh, I, I play out the scene the way I would picture Kat saying something, but that's not how I need, I should be writing it. I should be writing it as the character that she is meant to play because right. now it's not challenging if I wrote Kat. Right. She's just playing her. Right. And so that's going to be that's going to be my challenge for this is ignoring the fact that I have the actors because it's already a struggle for me. When I play out a scene in my head, I add my inflection and my attitude and my tone to it. But it's not me. I'm playing somebody else. So I have to keep like going back and being like, no, that's what I would say. Being able to write in different voices. And and, um, that's something that when I was a writer. (laughs) That I was horrible you were a writer? at. writer? Yeah. I wrote some stuff. Yeah. I was, but I was the worst at that because every, everybody seemed to, you know, have the same voice. And I think that comes with life experience and exper- experiencing different characters and the creativity that you would have to be able to think of other characters and what they would realistically do in any given situation is the challenge of a writer, right? And so um, I failed at that. <laughs> yeah. No good. It's okay, boo boo. Yeah. You'll be all right. See, but you're you're a great DP and director. It just wasn't it just wasn't your bag. Yeah. Acting and writing just wasn't your thing. Yeah. Acting and writing is my thing. Yeah. DPing. And apparently, to DPing be an actor, and, you have and, to have emotions. And so. director, not for me. Oh, maybe director. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Um. Yeah. I, we were talking about this recently because you have. I, I. I said that you had the emotional range of a crayon because you mm-hmm. really do. You're. You're a very. You're very much a guy. Which yeah. is not, this is not something that only men do, but it, it's most commonly men, but there are women that obviously bury their feelings, but it's just kind of like this very guy thing to do, um, where I think in the 15 years we've been together, I've seen you cry like maybe five times, maybe. Yeah. And I think three of those times were during a film. So yeah. <laughs> like actual real life emotion, you don't do that very no. often. I'm in my head too much. And so, yeah, when I was, t- I remember taking acting classes and try, I would always be thinking, you mm-hmm. know, about a scene and where, where I should be emotionally in a scene. And it's, you know, it would take me right out of the scene. So I always struggled with that um, as an actor. Because you're an emotional robot? Yeah. Damn it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I spend my whole life shoving those emotions down and now you want them. It's like, no, sorry. They're, they're... <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to need a couple weeks notice to get yeah. those guys riled up. <laughs> I yeah. can't give them to you. They're not ready at the moment. Yeah. They need time to get their makeup on and get their costume ready yeah. and get back to me in about three weeks. So, yeah. So it's, but I feel like having gone through the, the acting stuff and the career and the working and stuff and it helped me as a director be able to communicate with actors and be empathetic towards what an actor sees in a scene. They may see stuff that, we didn't think about you mm-hmm. know and so that's always good but at the same time you have to make sure that you're keeping on on task and that you're 
whatever changes that you're making in the moment can support the story you're trying to tell. So that's kind of tricky. Well, one of our biggest challenge is that we never have, nor will we ever, if we're being honest with ourselves, have a two-camera shoot where we can go, yeah, guys, just just riff. Just do your scene because we're getting we both that of once. your... That's not the same. Oh. I was like, that's like, oh, hey, we have extra time here. Like, just do your thing. But, um, there, you know... If, if you have a two camera shoot, you're able to just kind of I mean, that's the thing is that you can get that done faster if you have somebody running um, a second camera, but also who the hell has two cameras in, you know, yeah. our <laughs> level of filmmaking. It's yeah. it's not an easy thing. It's not impossible. And but it, it's it not is easy. quicker, but it does add a layer of complexity with lighting as well. So now, cause you yeah. have to light both sides. Right. And also, and you know, obviously, ideal is that you'd have the same exact cameras, but that's not always the case. And so now, like this camera is going to look like this, this camera is going to look like that, and you know, are are you going to be able to grade that to look cohesive? And so it's it it could be a blessing or a curse. But just as an actor, the it's like a dream to yeah. be able to just run through a scene and not worry about like having to mirror that again from your scene partner's angle because. You can't just ad lib stuff if you don't remember what you said. Yeah. In a reaction, so you know that that's where and that it can gets add. It can add annoying a, another layer of complexity with audio too, right? If you have lines that you're stepping over each other, mm -hmm. a lot of times, if in the edit you want to give it a little more air, tighten it up a bit, you, you're stuck to that pacing that was on set, which you should be aiming for anyway. But uh, sometimes in edit in the edit you want to like quick pick up the pacing and um, stuff because it's. You know, depending on the scene, you, a lot of times you could have the actor doing their lines and then you may, even though the other character has something to say, you may not want them to say that because you want the clean audio of the mm -hmm. person. So it's, you know, it's just things to think about. And also, there's one camera on massive high budgeted sets most of the time. It's just one camera. The difference is that they have the time to let, they'll, they'll spend a whole day on one scene. You know, you, you yeah. can get 10 hours of just a conversation sitting at a table and there's plenty of time to let those actors go back and forth and back and forth. And it doesn't matter if it didn't match what they said, because they'll have 75 more takes to just be able to do whatever they want mm -hmm. and go through the scene. We obviously don't have that with time constraints. It's like we've got 40 minutes to film the scene. So we don't have time to like riff like that. And it's, we just kind of have to stick to the script as best we can. And if you go off a bit, you better remember what you said because even the time to play that back, annoying. Yeah. Well, to be fair, a lot of the bigger budget stuff doesn't have the luxury of time either. They have money, so they have yeah. time. Yeah, but... There, there, to... there's, there's never enough time. Yeah. No matter how much time you have, there's never enough time. But when you've got ten hours to shoot one fucking scene, you got time. We'll never have time like that. Yeah. <laughs> we have to. We get. We're getting an entire short film done in ten hours, not just one. Yeah. You know, three minute scene that that you're spending the whole day doing that. Um, yeah. You know that, and and you're gonna get you're gonna get so much more out of an actor that has that freedom, but. We just haven't got the time, so yeah. we kind of have to, like, it, it needs to be a bit more rehearsed a bit. I actually don't know how I'm going to go about that, because um, I don't like rehearsing. Mm -hmm. So I'll have to think about that. I mean, it's it's I like it because mainly for blocking, you know, so I can block out a scene and know where the camera's going to be and the lighting's going to be and stuff. You know, if it's they're just sitting there, yeah, then I mean, it's we're like, gonna, whatever, like but... we're going to have to do it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I just, I don't like to over-rehearse. I like to get, like, a rehearsal in mm -hmm. maybe two if i'm feeling generous <laughs> and that's it yeah i don't especially for a, a a short like this a story like this where there's conflict between two characters um i just feel if that gets like for instance i don't i don't want to be able to predict how she's going to react to me saying something to her and if i rehearse that i already know how she's going to react to that i want her reaction to be a surprise to me on set if she makes me jump because of the way she says something. If I've rehearsed that 20 times, I'm not going to have a genuine reaction to that anymore because I'm like, oh, she gets worked up at this part and I'm expecting and anticipating, uh, you know, for her to blow up or whatever. I kind of like to have a bit, a little bit of a surprise. So I don't like to over rehearse things as an actor. I completely get the importance of rehearsing from a technical side. Yeah. Uh, but so it's, it's, it's tricky for me because it's like, I'm on the, I'm, I'm, 
you know, a producer and and partner in this film. So I have to consider oh, the technical side, are. unfortunately for you. Uh, but the actor in me is like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't want. I don't want to rehearse this too much. Yeah, it gets, with the wearing all the hats, it's tricky. It's you know, you're you're dividing your time and your focus onto a couple different things, and then those things can. It's beneficial that it can lend your, you know, that you know everything that's going on, but it's also a lot of times that can be a hindrance too because there's just so much going on, you know. Yeah, this is going to be a challenge because I've done several rehearsals with Cat for other projects, like we would do Zoom. And uh, or like FaceTime each other and rehearse a scene. And uh, so I already know, I guess, like I can't even really say weaknesses because they've all been different. But it's like I know what advice I tend to give her on something. If she'll say, what do you think about this? And I'll go like, play it this way. Try this. And so I know like, OK, she tends to maybe become a little bit more timid when there's this or that or whatever. And I got to, you know, so this is going to be really weird to write. This is going to be really, really weird to write. Writing for a friend, then writing for a friend that I've acted with as a scene partner, yeah. you know, <laughs> like for auditions. Because when we worked together, we actually, I don't think had any we had no dialogue together. We worked in the same scenes, but our characters never had any type of time together. So we've actually never yeah. worked together as actors. All of my time was... In one version with... of the script you did, but not... Did we? Yeah, I think early on in one of the versions of the... An earlier version of the script. That must have been had. like way, way early. Yeah, but yeah. like I, I had my scenes with Kieran, which got fucked, of course. And so we had to take those, take the, the one big scene that I had with him out. But most of my scenes were like with everybody and then with Petra. Mm -hmm. So Kat and I have never like actually had time to kind of really play that out so this is gonna be like i'm nervous but excited like oh how is this gonna go i don't know mm -hmm. i don't know yeah i don't know what angry cat's gonna be like yeah but in a character yeah you gotta just write you kind of have to silo yourself into just what the character would do and say and stuff and then just then she takes it from there versus trying to write for her yeah. natural kind of um well uh, it doesn't mean that it can't be good it's just it's not like we have not been able to do anything that we've wanted to do as actors these past years have been really rough creatively mm. so i don't stifling wanna... almost stifling almost that is an excellent way to put it sir um and so i don't want to i guess i don't want to waste an opportunity mm -hmm. i kind of want to go ham with it like yeah. why not you yeah. know like let's we've got two years pent of pent up creativity i know um so i don't want to oversell it because then that's also bad right we don't want to we don't want to play this too hard but i don't want to be too safe mm. with it either and coincidentally i've watched a couple of films that films and shows that have had blowout scenes and that's what sort of sparked yeah. this i was like man i want to do that <laughs> you know? yep. i had that a little bit with petra but you know it was a little different because it was like mostly her explaining why she was going to leave and there was a lot of emotion in that uh but like just being able to to have emotion but have just have it be anger is not something i've gotten to really do so hmm. you're like well i see you angry all the time it shouldn't it should be no freaking problem <laughs> yeah i'll just have to do something stupid on set and then you can just ask me the same question for the 17th time yeah. what are we doing today <laughs> yeah. are you freaking kidding me When's um, your birthday? When's your, who are you? <laughs> you live here, past? right? You live here. I think I swear I've seen you here before. Um, yeah, so that's those are our plans. We're we're gonna be uh, probably filming. Uh, so uh, at Cat and Bassam's place, um, we're gonna kind of do a location scout at our friend's house because yeah. they she just moved there. So I uh, we don't know what the place looks like. So we just don't know lighting wise. Because that was another thing is that I I imagine the scene taking place place at night mm -hmm. and this is also a really good thing to kind of get into is that I never want to encourage somebody to compromise their vision but there has to be a point where you ask yourself on an independent level where you don't have the luxury to just like flap your hands at a producer and throw a tantrum and have them be like just give them what they want um, you are the producer and so you have to really think about Yes, that would be cool. Yes, that adds an extra kind of boom, boom, boom here and we like yeah. that. But will it kill the story to not have the scene play out in the middle of the night? Because yeah. also, as I was saying, we don't know what the lighting situation is there. This this uh, 
conversation is taking place in like a, a kitchen at a table. So I don't even know if they have a dining room. Like, it, would it be yeah. the dining room? Is it a kitchen table? No freaking idea. Um, what's the lighting like in there? Some kitchens don't have, uh, you know, great lighting or it's, you know what I mean? There, there could be a humongous window right in front of the table. So now that's going to be blown out. Like, so this is what the you know, location scout, if you will, is yeah. for to just sort of be like, okay, now we know this is going to be a challenge and this is going to be a challenge. Maybe we have to move this whole conversation somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, because as convenient as a, as the kitchen would be, there's no way to organically diffuse this light without looking like that's what we were trying to do. You know, I think we've seen this before and stuff where it's like, there's a really heavy curtain over a window that wouldn't have a heavy curtain, like a kitchen, right? You say like, hey, that light's bothering me. Well, we'll throw a blackout curtain. That'll do great. Like, yeah, but how many people have that in their kitchen? You know, it's not. Yeah. So it looks like you're trying to block that light out. And then the 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 curtain looks displaced. Um, so that's, I'm trying not to like marry myself to the time of day that this is taking place because I don't know when we're going to, yeah. Like if the window's small enough, maybe we could just throw enough, you know, just throw a couple gels and a sheer curtain maybe or try to play it off a bit or like angle it so we're not looking at the window so mm -hmm. much. Because mm -hmm. you can do that. If you can block that light off, like fine. But you have to remember that you can never, on a wide shot, you basically can't show that window. You'd have to shoot it from in front of the window for a wide. Yeah. Uh, if, you know, if you really want it in that spot. But yeah, well, um, it's, you know, you find creative ways around it. So that's, but I think, you know, you, you hit on something too, that's important that like a lot, I think a lot of people that are starting out are afraid to dive in to their first, whatever short film feature, whatever, unless everything's perfect, mm. you know, and it's like, well, I need X amount of money or I need this camera, or this lens or whatever. And it's like, you just, and I get this way when it comes to our, our first feature, right? You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I want it to, to matter. You know, I want it to be something that we're on the top of our game. This makes sense. Uh, you know, we have the everything in place for it. But at some level, but at some point in the in the thing, you just have to make it. You know, and you keep procrastinating. I mean, this is more for like short films or mm -hmm. early on, not so when you're strategically trying to plan out your career. But I feel like so many people are like, well, I want to make the short film, but I'm going to need five thousand dollars. I need this, and I need that, and I need this, and it's like. Either like stripping a whole basketball court unnecessary. Yeah, you gotta either you gotta, <laughs> you gotta either deal with what you have and make the film or make something else until you are at a point where you can yeah. make that specific. Or just film work around it. I mean, yeah, like yeah. like I said, I would love for the scene to be uh, take place to be able to to be able to imply that it's like two o'clock in the morning because yeah, the, of course this character is like super intrusive. She's inconsiderate. She's not paying attention to time. She doesn't give a shit if she's woken you up, right? I have to write that differently. If it's during the day sure that so I'm not I, I certainly see the importance, right? There's big things are happening there. So that's why I'm, I don't want you to compromise what you want. But see, like, that's kind of a bigger thing, right? If you're saying like this is th there, there's a scene of them transferring somebody who's been kidnapped. Well, you're likely not going to do that in broad daylight, right? And if that's a big part of the script and you can't get this done because of lighting and you're going to have not have nearly enough time because you have to actually wait for it to be evening yeah. to start filming. That's something that you really can't compromise. You got to think about how you're going to work around that because yeah. that is very important. They're not going to just pop up at 9 a.m., you know, yeah. <laughs> walk out of a car with somebody blindfolded or whatever, you know, that you're going to wait till nighttime or. Um, but sometimes it's it's just really like minuscule stuff uh, that it's like, is that really important? You know, is that really important? Yeah. Like, I want to have this character smoking cigars. Like, well, we don't really have a budget for that. Or like, person, like, people are less likely to smoke now or whatever, what have you, yeah. you know. And it's like, well, but it's got to be. It's like, does it have to be? Oh, this person always, they they sort of, they have this nervous tick where they they, they suck on a hard candy. Uh, and it, it, it must be this specific candy. Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be. Just like, you know, it's not that uh, dire. Yeah. Uh, 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 a um a quirk you know yeah just really really you, you got to kind of sit down and go like how important is this to the care is the audience even going to notice this yeah are they going to notice that's the that? most thing you know as and as artists we can get lost in the details it's tricky too because a lot of times it's the details that will separate your film or your mm -hmm. piece of art from another but then sometimes you get so lost in them that you're make you're dying on hills that people don't 
care about or that you've already established that this person likes candy to calm them down, but it doesn't have to be a cherry candy, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and and like you were saying that sometimes that becomes a signature, for instance, with Tarantino, um, he's incorporated red apple cigarettes that's shown up for several of his characters and that that's kind of like become a thing mm -hmm. uh, that it's like, oh, the red apple cigarettes and it shows up in another movie yeah. and that becomes like this little, you know, Easter egg kind of thing, yeah. well, uh, which is cool. Different. But, you know, uh, it not I think pe sometimes people do that assume like when they try to make that an Easter egg, it's like a it's like when you tell somebody the punchline, you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, where it's more like, oh, we were able to sneak this in again. Great. But if it's super expensive, then and it's not relevant to the story, but you just want to start throwing Easter eggs in that cost ten thousand yeah. dollars. <laughs> like that's it's kind of pointless, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't. I don't have anything really set in stone with the story yet because I can't really set a tone for it until I'll be able to write out a bit of the outline, but mm -hmm. I won't actually know story-wise what direction I'm going to go in in terms of the personalities of the characters until I know if I'm filming in the daytime or the nighttime. Yeah, Sounds silly, but it really does... Well, it's, it's it's a mood, right? You're, you're kind of setting the totally mood and is. the tone and, and you write differently for My you. My character is an intrusive kind of like, she's got an intrusive personality. She's very uh, selfish, right? So having her show up for mundane shit at two o'clock in the morning works a lot better, right? Yeah. With that character than having her show up at a reasonable time <laughs> during yeah. the day. But during the day, we're going to have way more time to shoot without having people be completely exhausted. If we have to wait, because we're not shooting this until like spring, right? If we have to wait for that time, it is now getting darker much later. So mm -hmm. if we have to actually wait for the evening because there's way too much light in, in this space... We've only got a couple of hours to shoot unless we want to start shooting until 4 a.m. And I don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't want to shoot till 4 a.m. Um, so I want to get as much as I can out of our time. Yeah. And if I if I sort of shift the tone a bit because we have to film during the day, well, we could start filming at 10 o'clock in the morning and go through till 6 and have way more time than we would have had. Yeah. You know, although the t you know light is obviously different from ten to six at that time, so you also have to consider that. Uh, and, um, and and but then you know there's that possibility of uh, like you were saying earlier, just converting the daytime to the night inside of a, a house, which we've done before. Yeah, and but not be... shooting day for night. Please don't no, do no, that. No. I hate that. No. <laughs> we we did that once, right? Closing curtains, blacking out windows. Yeah, did we do that once. Wait, day for night or yeah? Did we do day for night for something? Oh, I don't know. I don't there think was so. like when what was it twenty eight. Nights, thirty nights, thirty nights in the whatever the fuck it was called. Oh yeah, um, Josh thirty Hartman. days of night. I don't know something like that. Night, yeah, and they did a lot. They did I think most of that or whatever day for night. It became a thing when they were like, oh, they shot this day for night, and then everybody started trying to shoot day for night. Mm -hmm. And I mean, accomplished directors and DPs were completely failing on this. I was like, I, there is, it, it's not even a like thirty day, thirty days for night, like. Looked decent, but you could tell something was off. Yeah. Um, the average moviegoer, again, they're not going to think that. They're not going to go, oh, this was actually filmed during the daytime. There's like this camera trickery that you can do with lighting. Like, they, yeah. they don't care about that. So the film people were the ones that were sitting there with a fine tooth comb like, oh, I could see there. Oh, I could see there. Yeah, but And then everybody but wanted to do it. And I was like, no, don't do it. It looks terrible. Yeah. Looks absolutely terrible. They Mad did Max it in Mad Max. Good, yeah, it was awful. Yeah. We just watched it in something else. Yeah. Um, trailer. Yeah, and it was just like, why? Why do people keep doing that? Well, you know why, because the lighting is... Yeah, lighting. I know, but it, it looks bad. Like, it, it just, it doesn't look good. And it, it puts this, like, really gross tone over everything mm. uh, that I don't get. I don't know. I, I think it looks really awful. That That's, like, one of my biggest pet peeves in, like, trickery and in film is, like, if you can avoid day for night, please do. Yeah. Because it's... Really weird. <laughs> it's just Shooting really weird. Exteriors at night is really hard. Yeah, it, it is. And I get why people do day for night, but it looks awful. It just looks awful. I can't stand it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Do with that what you will. <laughs> anyway, um, so we are hoping to have a guest on next week. 
I will be confirming with them, but I cannot make a promise because shit happens. But hopefully we will have a guest on next week. I'm not going to jinx it and say who they are. You will have to tune in. Mm-hmm. Shout outs. To MoGraph. MoGraph. Also, a very special shout out to Kieran Anthony. Yes. Um, our boys, our babies all grows our up. Our babies all grows up. He was in um, episode eight, I believe, of Inventing Anna on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Pretty substantial role, yes. I have to say. He had lines, and uh, we worked with. Um, well, we may talk to him about it, so yeah. we'll we'll get into the details with him. But yeah, when I mean, when he posted that he was going to be on the show, I went like, "Oh gosh, I hope." Like I, I, I thought it'd gonna... be like, "Here's your dinner order, sir." It, well, you know? yeah, like I don't want to be insulting, but I was like, "Gosh, I hope I don't miss him." Yeah. So I was watching, like, okay, he's gonna, he's walking across. He's crossing the camera, right? And then, like, it was like, oh no, homie's talking. <laughs> like, oh, he's still talking. Yeah. Nope, still talking. We cut holy away, shit. we cut back, he's still talking. Yeah, like, holy shit, they brought it. Okay, yep. And I was like, that's amazing. That's so cool. Because yeah. um, he's like, you know, yeah, you, you have to promote yourself as an actor, but he's still humble about it. So it wasn't yeah. like, look at this big role, you know what I mean? But I certainly didn't think, like, when he said he was in the episode i'm like okay i was expecting for like five seconds and i was ready to cheer my ass off for those five seconds so when it went to more like you know 60 or 70 seconds and i was just like oh wait oh whoa (laughs) that's awesome it was more than 60 yeah it was like yeah it was like uh but like as the time kept going i'm like oh my god he's still on camera he's still on camera he's still on camera very cool. Chatting away. We love to see our babies grows up. However, it's a little bittersweet because once our, our babies go union, we can't use them anymore. I know <laughs> so it. I know it. It's it's a it's you know, it's a catch twenty two for us. Like we want you guys to do well and then there's this other part of us that's like, Don't leave us. Yeah. Don't, don't leave us. us. We're gonna need you and now we're gonna have to deal with SAG and I don't wanna do that. Yeah. What can you do? Yeah. Well check out that that sh- it's actually a pretty good show, I thought. Um but we'll, we'll, you know. With Ruth. Ruth. Um, so, yes. So hopefully we'll have a guest next week. If there's anything you want us to see or recommend or whatever, if you've got questions about our personal taxes in life, nosy, uh, then you know, feel free to, uh, you know, shoot us those emails. Yes. Bye. Bye. Bye.